0: Maybe you don't think so hard about it. I probably spent too much time thinking about things and get confused. But the idea this morning is that we are in a field, and we have been planted in a field, and there are things growing up around us that are not us. Uh-oh, that sounds ominous. But we have no question of what this means. Now remember that Jesus uses parables to explain to us what the kingdom of heaven is like and how we as citizens of that kingdom are to act and function. God didn't say, oh great, now you're a believer, that's it. He said, now there's things, that, there's certain ways you should act, there's certain things that, that I expect of my kingdom, because otherwise it would be like if a parent just let their kid raise themselves. Uh, well, we see that a lot today. But um, if a parent just let the kids raise themselves, it didn't guide and direct them about how they were to be. My parents, every time I would leave the house, my, my dad would stop and say, remember who you are. And so he's like, you're representing me, my dad, was what he was implying. You are, you are carrying the triplet name out there. And, and so we built upon that with our kids. And, and Laura and I would say, remember who you are. Okay, you're, you're our kid. And then remember whose you are. You're also Christ. Which is actually more important, right? I mean, who, this is who you are. There's weight to how you act. You are representing. But we had to teach them what's appropriate and how to act. You know, it's like, you know, we had to teach them how to use a spoon. We had to teach them, you know, certain things like it's good to brush your teeth, you know, and uh, things like that. But we read of the parable of the weeds in the gospel reading this morning. And we know that the weeds grow together with the wheat, Now last week we covered the fact that the farmer trusts that when he plants the seed that something's growing, right? He trusts that. In this parable, sprouts are coming up and it is discovered that something is amiss. Weeds have been sown among the good wheat. And I find it interesting that the servants go and and they kind of question the master. Well, didn't you plant good seed, right? It's almost like, uh, hello. And sometimes we do that with God, right? Sometimes I go, I thought what you created was good. And, and how many people have had that argument with you? Well, if God is good and everything that he's done is good, how come there's evil in this world? How can he let certain things happen? And we have the answer in this. The servants run to the master and they say, well, should we rip the weeds out then? If this is the job of the enemy, shouldn't we just go in and rip it out? And the master quickly says to Wait. And let the reapers of the harvest take care of separating the weeds from the wheat. So we fast forward a few verses into Matthew chapter 13. Or I think that's where we're at. And we're in 36 now through 43. And so the crowds left and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. So he's like, you guys are the good seed. I have planted you. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the, the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age the son of man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom and all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into a fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, remember, in the parable, the servant said, should we go rip out those weeds? And he said, no. Jesus clarifies, by the way, that's not your job, son or daughter of the kingdom. It's not your job to go judge the weeds and pull them out of the ground. That's our tendency in the church though, right? We just get so frustrated with the unrighteousness of the world. We just want to eliminate them. And yet God and his kingdom said, no, you guys are going to grow next to each other. In fact, the reality is if we look at the, the, the wheat and the tares, here's the other name for it. The, the tare that was growing, the weed that was growing was, looked very much like wheat until they became adults. So the reality is it was really hard to tell, unless you were an experienced farmer, of which one should stay and which one should go. And I think we find that in today's world. We don't know who has a, a real saving relationship with Christ. We don't know who, who has received the grace and the mercy that he has offered them. We don't know that for certain. And so it's, 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 a, it's a bad call for us to start ripping people out of the ground and saying, we're done with you. The religious system at that time, though, rejected those who lived in unrighteousness and made judgments on eternity based on the actions of others. And typically, if you are a Gentile, not a Jew, there's no way. There's no hope for you. But again, we have the same tendency. We create separation often, right, from those who are seemingly a weed. And often we want to extinguish their existence. We say, man, wouldn't it be better if they weren't here? There's a prayer on one of our pastor's wife a year ago. They had a neighbor, right, that was contrary to the gospel. She would, she, she'd say, I pray that either God save them or move them, right? That was her answer to it, you know? And I think, okay, God save them probably would be the one we want to pray for more. But, <laughs> but, you know, but we're close behind to say, or just get them uh, away from me because I don't like it. It's no fun. Although I have to be honest with you, sometimes it's more fun hanging out with people who aren't Christians because they're all often they're real. and you have no you're like, "Okay, I guess that's how you really feel." And sometimes we get in these little we got to act like this, we got to look like this and not be real. That's what I love about us here is we're pretty real here. I like I like our church body because we're this is who we are. Good or bad, I guess. So. Uh you might not say that you want that person removed out loud, but we do get frustrated. And we think it would be, yeah, people you in your life, it would be just simpler and a lot easier to be a Christian if they just went away. Now, John, Jesus explains in John 15 that we are not of this world. And therefore, we see a distinction between those who have been changed, born again, a new creation in Christ, and those who are still dead in their sin. There is a difference between the two. Jesus clarifies again that it is not our job to take the sickle to the weeds. This should help us understand how we are to live. We are to live as children of the kingdom of God among the children of this world. One thing we should note is that Jesus is responsible for those in the kingdom. He has sown good seed and the evil one comes along after during the cover of night and sows seed. This is how the enemy works. He's not going to do it out in the open, right? He's got to wait for some distraction, for, for you to be asleep or you to be off your game. And that's when he's, he's going to do these things that cause disruption. He deceives and it relies on distractions and lays in just times of when your guard is down. But please know that we are not in a battle against one another. Sometimes we should tell that to politicians. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. But there is a spiritual battle afoot. A spiritual battle afoot. And I think that we need to realize that. Sometimes we get so caught in just our temporal world, we don't realize there's something much greater happening around us. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 19 tells us, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, we're supposed to stand, by the way. I'm not telling you to stand, but, you know, in our faith. Stand strong in our faith. Having fastened the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, War. So, on a practical level, what does that look like? Well, first of all, and I'm going to ask you this look around you. You know, strain a little bit, look around, look at each other. Go ahead, it's okay. But those you see, those you come in contact with, are not your enemy. Best marriage advice, by the way, that Laura and I ever received at a conference one time was a, the pastor said, Hey, just so you know, your spouse is not your enemy. And I think we feel that way at times with people. We feel even within the church, oh, you just, don't want, you just don't want to get along with me. Or you just don't care about certain things. And we're not our enemy. Remember, Jesus prayed for unity so that the enemy is trying to sow discord in the church and among his believers. The devil wants us to believe that people are our enemy. And so we find, again, this discord in churches and families, in the workplace, in the community, or anywhere. <laughs> That's where people are and where stuff is. There's discord being sown. But the warfare goes beyond person to person. Because we also limit ourselves to the pleasures and the pursuits of this world. 1 John 2, 15-17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Remember Jesus, when he was asked, What's the greatest commandment? He said, The love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so here we have the Apostle John saying in 1 John, don't love the world. Because why? We're supposed to love God. And they're there in contrast to one another. Remember that the key characteristic in the kingdom of heaven is that of humility. The weeds, they love the world. The weeds long for the things of this world and the recognition of this world. There is a contrast between the sons of God and the sons of the devil. Now, This does not mean that we cannot enjoy the things that God has provided in this world. In fact, I think we, who, because we know who is the creator of all, should enjoy them more than those in the world. We can savor things in a better way, but they must never become the focus and the desire of our heart. We hold the things of this world extremely lightly. We hold them lightly. And we consider Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Therefore, those of us who have been raised with Christ, we seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. And I think we can take that from the parable when he says, no, it's not your job to take care of the weeds. You grow to my glory because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. This is what the world, what the weeds are living for. In these, you too once walked. Oh, here's a switch. You used to be just like a weed when you were living in them, but now... You must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. So God has given us his word to understand how we are to be and who we are because of the great work of Christ for us. So now we can think upon whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Again, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we put on then as God's chosen ones, the ones that have been the seeds that God, the good seed that Jesus has planted. Chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. We put them on with kindness. We put on humility. We put on meekness and patience. We bear with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be I don't like to use that word, but what are we thinking about? Are we, are we here to admonish one another, to praise God, to pray together, to proclaim the gospel and to practice what we're working on? Is that, is that, is that what we're doing? That we should, we should come with that expectation. Hey, I'm going to grow in my faith today because I'm going to praise God with my, with my fellow believers. I'm going to pray together. We're going to spend some time in prayer. We're going to say the prayers. We're going to proclaim the gospel together. When we say the creed, right, this is the gospel. <laughs> it's just this is what it is the gospel and then we're going to go and encourage one another to practice the Christian life may we encourage one another to look to Jesus and ask the holy spirit to seek ways to share the life of Christ with others and not get caught up in what's not your job and that is judging the weeds right cuz that's easier man I mean, isn't it hard Why we're in Bible study and we're talking about the, the commandment to honor your father and mother? Isn't it hard to, to steer away from going how horrible we do this in, in today's society? We have to go, wait a second, okay. We know how bad it is. We get it. But we are to be lights in a dark world. And we do that by gathering together and shining brightly together and encouraging one another. It's not our job to pull the weeds. So may we be those who stand up and pray. And then maybe those who watch and that we step out in faith to speak life into others and expect the work of the Lord to be done in their lives. I don't know about you, but I hope you feel this way. What a great and exciting life Jesus has called us to. Man, we we get to be part of kingdom work. We have the glorious gift of receiving the very body and blood also, like we do today of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In John six, Jesus explained that whoever does not eat of his flesh and drink of his blood would have no part of him. Now you see in that scripture that a lot of people quit following him. Then they're like, Mm-mm, can't do that, can't go with that. When he came with his disciples and he instituted the Lord's supper, supper, he broke the bread. He said, Take, eat. This is my body. Take, drink. This is my blood. It was shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. We do not know how the real presence of Christ is in the bread and the wine, but by faith. We take Christ at his word, and we expect the assurance of our salvation to be present, the clear proclamation of our sins being forgiven, and the strengthening of our faith. That's what we do when we partake of communion. We come to the body and the blood with thanksgiving and expectation. Jesus longs to bring you the assurance of your salvation. He longs to turn your eyes away from the weeds that are all around us. I'm not looking at any of you. All around us, right? And say, to God be the glory. He is strengthening you. We are not worthy, but by His Spirit we step in faith and we receive the beautiful gift this morning. And this is a time for reflection. Not only about us being more focused upon uh, who we are, not not judgment, but about focusing on we are, the, the children of God. But also to say, you know what? Do I believe that, that Christ is my everything? Do I believe that He is present in, in the, the bread and the cup? Do I believe that the body and the blood are there? Do I believe the, the efficiency and the effectiveness of that? Do I come with expectation to the table that Jesus is present there and He's meeting me with the gifts of the assurance of salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and the strengthening of my faith? Do I believe that? And we have times where we don't believe that. I'm not going to put a trip on anybody. Sometimes we're like, I want to believe that, and that's a great place to be Say, Lord help me in my unbelief Jesus wants in great ways to meet you at the table and so let's take a moment of reflection